Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 19 of Control Issues. This week, uh, the lovely Chris Luter from Birmingham, Alabama is joining me. Thank you so much for everyone who is tuning in. If you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, all these episodes are taped Facebook Live and come out on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you'd like to join us, go on the Control Issues Facebook page, uh, click like, and it'll follow the page as well so you can get notifications when I go live. Um, I'm going to take advantage of some of my friends being from out of town and possibly record some episodes ahead of time, but they will still become available at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays. The audio that you may be listening to on iTunes or Spotify comes out every Monday at midnight, also Eastern Standard Time. I live in Atlanta. Um, so um, when it comes out, you can get it um, at any um, we're having a little, Chris is over here watching the video while we're on it. I like it. Um, so we're, uh, so yeah, so Mondays it comes out and you can um, listen to it and feel free to go back and listen to any of the 18 previous episodes. Last week's with Troy Abrams was incredible. A week before that, um, Taylor Houchins and I talked about toxic masculinity and um, a variety of other modalities with trauma therapy. So without further ado, this is Chris Sluter. Um, Chris and I became friends through service work in the fellowship that we are a part of. And um, I don't really know how we actually became friends. I think it was just like, hey, we're friends on Facebook and we both do similar things and we're friends now. Um, but it's been a beautiful friendship over the course of the last couple of years. Um, he invited me out to speak in Alabama, which was a great treat. Um, we've been traveled to different places together. He comes out here, I go out there. Um, so it's great to see you um, from the, you know, what are you in, central time? <laughs> yeah. Far behind me, but. We always go back and forth on that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. I'm always like, what What time do I need to be there? What I do mental math. Um, it helps when I go to Alabama because I'm just super early, but when I come home, it's a little bit trickier. So for those of you or those of the people who are listening who don't know you, um, could you give us a little Reader's Digest version of like who you are, where you're from, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so as Thor said, I'm Chris Sluter, full name, um, 36 years old. Um, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I've lived here all my life. Pretty much consider this my home. I mean, uh, even though I was technically, I guess, not born here, but I don't tell many people that. So it's out there now. But <laughs> I've lived here since I was two years old and it's kind of my way of life. Just um, been kind of anywhere and everywhere that I've lived around this, this city. But um, yeah, I, um, you know, I got into, um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, got into the way of life of sports, you know, like every American boy does, I guess. And, um, you know, grew up kind of uh, middle middle class, I guess, upper class. Two great parents uh, gave me everything that I ever wanted. Um, I have an older brother and an older sister, actually half siblings. Um, and um, now basically, you know, I've, I'm, I'm, I've gone through my struggles in life, you know, um, started started my road to uh recovery about two and a half almost three years ago um and it's been great you know but um as far as you know i guess I'm, my, my life really isn't much different than i guess that just a you know average american home kid a boy you know that grows up in a small smaller than atlanta i guess southern town and yeah and playing sports and running the town and then you know having a few issues in life to where i you know, they, they got to me and I, I didn't obviously take care of them the way that 
you know, everyone said I should have is what I'm good at is learning the hard way. Um, right. Picked up when I was 21 years old and that just ran with it and mm -hmm. used for about 15 years or so. And um, thank God I was able to find the road to recovery, you know, because uh, my life now is, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be meeting people like you, Zora, for real, you know, so here yeah. I am. So it's one of the beautiful things about being in recovery and especially, and we'll get into this topic a little bit um, in a second here. Um, when you participate in service work, especially at a, an area, a district or a world service level, you can meet so many incredible people. Um, you know, earlier I was just texting with a friend from Connecticut. And then before that I was on, um, I worked from home today and had a quick second to FaceTime with a friend of mine from Arizona, um, talking in a group chat with people with, all over the country um, and those relationships that I have have become some of my favorite relationships um, because we have a similar situation whether or not we came from the same backgrounds or had the same exact story um, and then we get to do incredible stuff together like I have had so much fun in the last three years and ups and downs right like there have been some downs but just thinking about like the shenanigans that even you and I have gotten in together or um, other friends. And so I'm very grateful for you to be here. So with that being said, something I wanted to talk about that we both have been pretty involved with and um, my relationship with it has changed a little bit, but is service work. Um, I was told by my first sponsor that you get a service position and you do service work. And if someone asks, you say yes and you just do it. And I went off running with that and it went from like zero to 60 and then I was secretary of everything because um, I got some fast fingers. But you're involved in service and I really respect what goes on in the Birmingham area. You guys have a very strong area uh, of service in our fellowship. Um, could you talk about what service means to you and kind of like how you got involved? Yeah, you know, I um, when I first got in the program, my own, my, own very, my experience was very similar to yours. I, you know, I had like an old time AA sponsor. We had about almost twenty years of sobriety, you know, and uh, it was one of those things where he he was really, really big on the service work. You know, I mean, that he he, you know, I remember some of the the things I had to do early on. You know, was he wanted me? You know, I had to text him every day. Um, about something I did for somebody else. Okay. Um, and so it could have been something little, you know, the thing is about service work too. I, you know, I often wondered, you know, what, 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 what exactly qualifies as service work? You know, um, is it something big, grandiose scale of setting up parties and doing something, you know, that, that way, or, and coming to find out it was just little simple things, you know, just, uh, making a phone call to somebody you met in recovery and checking on, them, you know, or, uh, when you're at a meeting or something, maybe, you know, a guy looks like he's struggling or he's maybe in treatment and he's there with a group and he needs a cigarette or something or, or you know, just needs kind of to talk. or. Uh, and then, you know, one thing I never even thought of either was doing like a reading in a meeting, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's service work, you know, and, and I, uh, you know, and I started off small doing things like that, you know, and, and it's kind of like everybody talks about, you know, I'd, I'd go in and just say, is there anything I can help with, you know, just set up chairs or, or. Uh, and so I remember when I was actually in sober living um, with now my ex roommate who I lived with for a couple of years, we all know Dalton, but he, <laughs> he and I, he had come to me one night and he said, Hey man, uh, there's this little meeting over here across the way from uh, the, the sober living and they're having a business meeting um, and they need some help and trusted servants. I, I didn't even know what a business meeting was. I just thought, 
what exactly do you do at a business meeting and in a, in a, for a meeting, you know? And right. sure enough, I just was like, well, let's go, you know, what else I got to do? Sit here in the, in the apartment and just watch Netflix, you know? So um, I went over there and, and that was where I started developing, I guess those relationships that you're talking about just on a, you know, on an area level here in Birmingham. Cause I, you know, I didn't know anybody. And I, I mean, really as far as in recovery and right. um, they asked if I was willing to, to be a trusted servant there at, at, at our, uh, at our meeting uh, place there. And that was my home group, um, Silver Spoon, Heroin Anonymous. And so um, I started off small, you know, just being a, like a liaison between the, uh, between the group and the church, you know, just if the church had any concerns or questions or anything. And so um, I did that for a little while actually. Um, and then I met, um, I met a guy um, here in, here in Birmingham. We all know, we all know Brent, Brent B. Um, and he and was, he was been sleeping under a rock, right? <laughs> if you don't know Brent, then we need to talk. Cause Especially if you're in the Southeast. <laughs> you've been on the moon for a little while or something, but, uh, right. and actually the way me and Brent met was, um, he was in, he, you know, he was in the racing scene, you know, okay. and, I've got a little bit of that in my background as well. You know, I went to school for mechanics and stuff and I used to do dumb stuff, you know, in the streets of, of Alabama racing and doing stuff like that. And so it just interests me. So we got to talking on that level. And the next thing I know, he's like, Hey man, I'm getting ready to start this uh, public information committee. Would you be interested? And I was like, I, I don't know, but sure. You know, I'm down, whatever, you know? And so uh, first time I ever did anything with Brent, I went to a, a BMW car show, you know, uh, next thing I know he's pitching, public information to me. And, and, uh, there was a girl there that was, that was, uh, actually one of our chairs at our, uh, area meetings here. And she was getting into, she was, she, she developed a Photoshop. She started getting into the graphic design stuff and okay. she needed some help making flyers and whatnot. And I'd always been a creative person. You know, I've always had that right brain, um, just eye for things. And I thought that'd be interesting, you know, to try to learn. And sure enough, um, next thing I know I'm, I'm, learning the basics of Photoshop and spending nine months in sober living, I, I really sat down and started watching YouTube videos. And I just, I taught myself how to make stuff like this for flyers, you know, for, for our, for our areas where it kind of started off. And um, the next thing I know, a uh, guy in, in Atlanta, um, Ben L calls, calls me up and he says, Hey man, you know, these are really good. He was like, we'd be interested in, in you helping us out for, you know, the convention and whatnot. And so, I mean, as you can see, things are starting to, to build up, you know, I guess going from just being a liaison to finding. And I'll be honest with you, I, I found my passion uh, with graphic artwork. I mean, it's it's something that I, I, I want to do in life. And I found that through recovery. You know, I, I would have never found that had it not been for uh, the program. I mean, um, and next thing I know, I've got. You know, Brent introducing me to, you know, uh, Brian in New York and, and, I'm, and I'm meeting all you guys in Atlanta, you know, and I'm, I'm meeting Stevie in Texas. And, um, you know, it's just it's crazy. Now, Chris is Chris G's in Connecticut. You know, I mean, all these guys, you know, and the next thing I know, um, a chair position opens up at, at, at the home group I was I was at, you know, and, and uh, I was like, man, you'd be great at that. And so the next thing I know, I'm taking on a bigger service position and. Um, you know, I had, I had issues there where I wanted to volunteer for everything in, in the world, you know, but I realized like, um, can't do everything Slitter. Like you just, you know, you can be there to help like where you're needed, but you can't, mm -hmm. you know, you can't do it all. You know, you can only be in one place at one time. And, right. um, I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, but, 
no, it's it's been good for real because I I mean, like you said, with the relationships part, man, like there's so many people, not just in our in, in, in Birmingham, but um, Mobile and Atlanta. I mean, just all over the southeast that I, I've developed not just a an acquaintance relationship with, but like a personal relationship to where if, if I'm if I'm going through something or, or if they're going vice versa, I mean, it's it's just a phone call away. And, and it's like a it's like I'm talking to the guy next door or something, you know, it's, it's on that close a level with them. So service work has, has done more for me. It's, and it's weird to say that too, because like people always talk about, well, service work is for the newcomer and it's for to help that person out, but it has really helped me um, more than I ever thought it would. Oh, amen to that. And there's so much in there that you just talked about that we could talk about. Um, I really liked how you mentioned the little things, right? Uh, when I was new, the little things of picking up cigarette butts and putting away chairs and reading things. And I didn't understand how that was service, right? Like who cares who reads something like people with the, oh, thank you for being of service. I'm like, I read it. I read how it works, right? Like, what is this like in my first, you know, little like beginning of sobriety, I didn't quite understand that. And then I realized that those were integral parts of keeping the meeting going. And it also kept me coming back. Right. I had a vested interest in being a participant in that meeting rather than sitting on my phone and people. You know, there's a lot of people who are commenting on this right now as we're on Facebook Live of people who have been very vital in my service work network. You know, Tom Moreland and Spencer Gregory are two big parts. I owe a lot to Spencer Gregory for me getting into the Fellowship of HA, but those parts are so crucial. And as my service work progressed, I got involved in more and more because I was, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a Capricorn and I'm very type A and go, go, go. And I wish I had the wherewithal that you did to not get over involved because recently I've been incredibly burnt out. I stepped down from a position that I was very passionate about um, and it broke my heart. And I built a lot of resentment to a lot of different people um, in regards to, you know, a situation that just got mucky that's like really all we could say is that it just like everything got all mucked up um and as part of that i felt i didn't know what to do once i stepped down um i kind of part of me is sad and misses it and like misses hanging out with everybody but at the same point in time like i was burnt out i felt underappreciated which is not what service work is about so that's why I, part of why i had to step away is remembering that it's not about me i'm a selfish bitch inherently that's the way my you know, my my genes are built. I'm an alcoholic for, and an addict for damn sure. And so I'm selfish and service work is about giving back to other people. It's opening a door, it's reading in a meeting, it's taking someone through the steps, it's that kind of thing. Um, and when it became about me, it was not my time to be there anymore. So I miss it. Um, I don't know what to do with my hands anymore. It's weird that I have a ton of free time. <laughs> like um, a friend of mine and I were sitting on Sunday night um, at his house and we we're just like, both of us have been very involved and recently stepped away and we're like, do you know what to do with all this time you have now? <laughs> like, what do we do? We're like, I guess this is it. We're sitting here on a Sunday catching up and existing. Um, so it has been great to get to connect with you through service um, because relationships have been built um, around it. What would you say is the hardest part of service work for you? Hmm. I guess the hardest part of service work for me is, you know, when you have, I guess, a newcomer, for instance, you know, that's, that's come in and, um, 
you know, you're really trying to show them and give them what you have. Um, and maybe they're not there yet. Right. You know, um, that can be kind of frustrating because you want to see everybody, you want to help everybody, you know, and that's, that's kind of been my one downfall is, is, you know, you know, I said that I was overextending myself too, like, you know, because I would try to help those that didn't want to help themselves. And I, and I had to learn that, um, that you can't save everybody. I hate to use that verbiage, but you know, that's, that's where it is. And, and I guess the, the part of, you know, because I, I want to be able to be there for all of my guys, like, like for instance, when a, a sponsee wants to, you know, Hey, will you sponsor me? And I've already got two guys. You right. know, and that's kind of where I set my boundaries with, you know, if I've got, if I'm currently working with two guys, I would, I feel like I would be a disservice to a third because yeah. I don't have that time. So I guess for me, it'd just be that I don't have all the time that I want, you know, because um, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd have time for everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as, I guess sometimes, you know, it, it, it brings out my, sometimes when I like you, when I get, I get passionate about things and, and, um, an, a, a, I guess a, an issue comes up about something that I just very headstrong about, you know, and I've got other people that are going the other way about it, you know, um, and those defects come out that we talk about, you know, um, that can be about the only, I guess, downfall to service work, I guess, to me. Um, and, yeah. and, but other than that, you know, I, I've guess over the last couple of years of, of doing it, I've kind of, I've, I've learned, you know, yeah. um, but well, like you mentioned Brent earlier, um, shout out to him for he really instilled in me to cultivate the fellowship that you so crave. That may not be his exact wording, but I think that's a good version if it is. Um, and, but it's true, right? And I kind of lost sight of that, um, putting myself first, right? And, and I see all this eating crow because I hate to admit that I was wrong about something. I, I don't think that I was wrong about my reasonings behind some things, but at the same point in time, I was losing sight of what it's really about. It's about giving back to other people. It's about continuing a fellowship. And when my personality gets in front of the principles, I'm not helping anyone. And what I should be doing is stepping back and helping cultivate something rather than being one that's like, I have to plant every seed. I need to do everything. I'm going to sow every line. This is all about me. We're going to name it the Zora Memorial. <laughs> that's not how it works. Um, <clears throat> Although, you know, it would be a damn pretty field um, and very organized. Um, but, you know, I really relate to what you mentioned with sponsors, right? Or, or someone that you're helping in general, right? I have people reach out to me all the time. Um, and unfortunately, I've gotten a little used to, like, I'm more shocked when someone actually calls me back or if someone actually wants to meet with me, like my current sponsee, when we actually met and she, like, calls me and she does her step work. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Are you okay? Like this is not my norm of like. Um, but my job is to continue to outstretch my hand, and it talks about it in the book how if someone doesn't want it, then we have to keep going, and that may be enough for them to come back as they saw that someone was willing to help them. Um, so we've talked about building relationships as a result of service work, and uh, I thought it might be fun to talk about relationships in the rooms, um, platonic. And romantic if you want to dive down that um we are both very personable and people people um that's not the right word yeah we're people person yeah people people yeah. um 
I haven't had enough caffeine today. I'm having my cup of tea now. Um, like the little, <laughs> little old Irish lady that I am. Uh, but anyway, so relationships are what the, it's a large part of the program or the fellowship really is, you know, addiction is the opposite of connection. We're here to build connections with other people. It's the we program, insert any other cliches. So in forming relationships with other people within the rooms, how do you prevent codependency in platonic or romantic relationships? I think, and I'm not saying you can prevent it all, but what, how do you combat that a little bit? Because I struggle with codependency, both platonic and romantic relationships. So, yeah. Well, um, you know, if we actually had a book that could tell us how to do that, I mean, somebody's listening, please. Um, you know, if you could write that, I mean, you'd, you'd be on top of the world right now. But I think the things that I've learned, I guess, through my own experience <clears throat> with the, uh, the, you know, the codependency issues, and I have them as well, obviously, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I basically, I've, I've always been that, that, that giver, I guess, is kind of what I've been told. And, and unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will take, you know, and take. And, and yeah. my problem is, is that, you know, I get in my head was if I don't help this person, if I don't do this, um, they're not going to be okay. You know, yeah. I'm more concerned about their feelings than my own. And so I had to learn you know, through a lot, I mean, through step work, really, um, a lot of it was through the, the like fear inventory, um, okay. you know, and the fourth step really, really helped me out with that as far as recognizing a lot of my um, stuff, because, you know, when it comes down to it, yes, you, 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 you have to take care of yourself, you know, and I had to learn that putting myself in harm's way, you know, even though like we talk about you know, like a, like a touching a hot flame, you know, like we always want to try to figure out a way to touch it without getting burned. Mm -hmm. And that was me, you know, and, in, and I'm talking, talking specifically in relationships, you know, because I'd always try to come up with a way that, oh, this one's different. Um, this is, uh, this is not going to end up the way everybody's telling me it's going to end up, you know, and guess what? It always did. And I finally had to learn through experience, I guess, that when I'm feeling something or when I recognize something coming up um, that I have to act on that, I have to make action through that. Like, and what I mean by that is like, if I have a feeling up, I have to be open about it. You know, and I felt like no matter, I can't be so concerned about um, how it's going to make somebody feel because ultimately I'm harming that person by keeping it to myself. Right. Yeah. You know, now I can choose the way I, uh, present it in my verbiage, you know, I don't have to be so aggressive, which I've known to be in my past, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, being compassionate in the way I, you know, say things to people or I present things to people. Um, and it's, and it's really, there's no control, you know, um, I've got a, that's just an illusion that I have is I can't control other people. Um, mm -hmm. can't control what they feel. I can't control what they say. Um, and the more I try to do that, the more miserable I become. Right. Um, and it's just more about that. I think for me, what I, what I figured out was it's just about that self-awareness, you know, going through not only, not only through four and five, but you know, the six and the seventh step as well, trying to figure out what it is that my defects are, you know, and, um, and then, you know, like I see Jake's on here, you know, having people like him, you know, like Jake and my network of guys that 
when something comes up for me um, and, and they recognize it and I don't, I think that's very important to have, like you said, those platonic relationships, you know, because those people can help you out uh, in your intimate relationships as well. You know, you just have to be willing to, to listen and not be so, I guess, headstrong as I can be um, and be, I guess, so arrogant as I can be and say, no, I'm going to do it my way because that's just like addiction. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to do it my way and, and look where that got me. So, but it's hard. It really is. It's, it's very difficult, you know, especially with relationships in the rooms um, because you're looking at two people with the same addiction or with the same problem disease. And um, most times it's, it's the same, uh, grief and trauma issues, you know, and so you're, you're trying to put that together and it, it can create a shit storm sometimes. Oh yeah. So. And, and it's good to have people in your network. Like you mentioned to call you out for it. Cause you know, Jacob's going to tell it to you straight. Although he'll tell it to you. So you feel like a teddy bear just told you. And it makes you feel better. <laughs> right. uh, but well, they don't tell me about that. I am not a teddy bear, but you may be for sure. <laughs> Maybe that's just how he acts with me and I love it. Um, but for me, a lot of the struggle with my platonic relationships and the majority of my friends are in the rooms, I have those who are not, um, is that I'm so concerned about wanting to be loved. Not that I wanna be like wicked popular, like it's not that I need everyone to, it's more so that my self-worth is not great and I've been working on that over the last couple of years. Um, but to the point of, I don't want you to leave me. I need you to think I'm worthy. So I bend over backwards in ways that I really shouldn't. You know, I'm always the girl who has absolutely everything anyone would need. And it's not just that I want to be prepared. It's like, I want people to value my presence. Like I want to get invited. And I'm like, well, if I just bring all the snacks, if I just bring all the cigars, if I just do all this, if I remember everyone's birthday, like that kind of thing, which are good things to do. Um, but I need to be reminded that like my worth is based on who I am and those are parts of me, but people are going to like me or they're not regardless of how many times I bring snacks. Um, and so they, <laughs> geez, Jake is killing me on the Facebook live chat. Um, but anyway, so, you know, um, I think codependency can show up in different ways. Um, you know, some, some of it for me is control when it comes to romantic relationships, that's where control shows up for me. Um, for platonic, it's definitely more of like a worth and like a longing and a fear of the, of being alone. Um, but you mentioned a great point, right? Four, five, and six and seven, um, doing that fear inventory. I probably need to go do a little walk back through that to recognize where those are popping up and um, harboring me from being, or hindering me, excuse me, um, hindering me from being able to connect with other people because I'm so afraid of being alone, which seems like they don't go together, but they do in my head. Anyway, um, so you, uh, you don't have to answer the following question, but you may in whatever way you like. So uh, if not, we'll just skip right over it. Um, so you have been in romantic relationships in the rooms and they've had highs and lows. Um, what would you feel like was the most beneficial thing for yourself in those relationships? Like, did you focus only on your program or did you meditate a lot? Like, how did you keep the relationship going well when it was going well? I would say, I would say probably the thing that, that I benefited at least from this, from, or from the relationships, because, um, I've, I've actually had a few and it's, it's really, 
been able to teach me a lot about myself moving forward. Um, but to keep, you know, that's one thing I did have to learn uh, was also uh, with a relationship in recovery, mm-hmm. you got to keep your program separate, um, okay. you know, and, and you can't do things based on what the other person is doing as far as your program is going, you know, with like with my service work example, um, you know, if, if um, you know, something's going on in the relationship, it's almost like a triangle, you know, you've got mm-hmm. you, your significant other, and then your programs, but they're all, they're kind of separate, you know, equally done. So um, whatever that your significant other is doing in their program, you can't let it affect yours. You know, you still have to keep working um, yours because like I said, if one of those parts of the triangle kind of dissipates or starts to get off track, the whole relationship's going to fall. Okay. Um, and so you can't be that person's sponsor. I've tried that. <clears throat> that right. You and um, me both. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, you know, you can't, um, you know, you can't work their inventory. You can't, um, you can't really be there to tell them, what to do you can be there to be helpful you know like for instance in the relationship like hey what did you know what do you think about this or what did you expect you can't really i've learned that you can't project your program onto that person you know because everybody works a separate program i mean whether it's me you whether we're in a relationship or not everybody's got their own program and, and i think that's the way but I, I think the most beneficial thing i've learned is um you've seen the memes on facebook probably but you know when you see red flags at the very beginning take that as a sign you know um i've learned to really open my eyes a lot more um in relationships to uh, being more i guess not reactionary but more activated by if i see something wrong at the beginning it's probably going to be there in the middle and the end of the relationship as well you know um and are and am i willing to work through that or not you know and it's it's something that um, I really had to learn too, as far as with with my friends telling me, because you know, in the big book, and, and and I think it's page seventy, it talks about you know, no one is the arbiter of our sex affair, right? Sex relationships, and um, I kind of took that the wrong way when I first read it, because I was like, well, nobody can tell me what I can cannot do in yeah. my own sex life, even though technically that is, I guess, what it is saying, but it doesn't mean that people can't give you advice, you know. Um, so I was very reactionary when. People would try to uh, tell me, you know, hey, we're seeing this or hey, we're seeing that. And that's another vital thing as far as I've learned a relationship is to really listen to those people I trust, you know, Um, get rid of all the auxiliary noise around um, the people, your network of people that, you know, you can trust uh, that you can go to and say, hey, I'm having issues. And and I've got that. And I've learned I've learned to accept that, you know, I need help in my own relationships with like. The two people together, yeah, they're there in that relationship, but you also need your own pathways to help you out with that relationship. So Right. It's almost like you're treading parallel, right? Or like their your relationship <clears throat> and I think this is applicable if you're not in the rooms, right? Two different people are going to have, you know, things about themselves that need work or or great things or bad things. And they need to work on those in a symbiotic fashion, but separately so then they can be in a partnership together. Um, I've definitely struggled in the past with wanting to, you know, it's out of fear, everything's out of fear. Read the big book, it's all about fear. Um, But, you know, the the fear and the self-imposed crisis 
that I have had in my relationship has been related to not wanting to lose someone. So then I would be overly suggestive about like, why aren't you going to a meeting? When's the last time? Oh, like you haven't finished the steps. Like things that, um, that are not my place. I could be more supportive and understanding and less judgmental. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being concerned. If I was in a relationship again with someone in the rooms and we'd been living together and I noticed they hadn't been to a meeting in three months, I might be like, yo, you want to chat? Like, how are you doing? Um, but probably better than saying, why haven't you gone to a meeting yet? Why are you still watching Supernatural? Like, these are things that um, I have learned, um, but every relationship teaches us something, platonic or romantic. Um, we get all the relationships I've been in of both kinds have taught me things I like and things I don't like. And then moving forward, I try like my next romantic relationship. I really want to make sure that they respect their parents. And, um, you know, that's important to me and that they also absolutely love football as much as I do. And, you know. Just the right teams, though, right? I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Um, maybe just not the Jets. Don't be a Jets fan. Um, but there's a little fun and some rivalry. Um, and that seems silly, but, like, you find out the things you like and don't like. And if uh, maybe for you, you really love to underwater basket weave and the other person can't swim, it's probably not going to be a, a good relationship. Um, so if you could give a piece of advice to those who are listening, watching, at home, whatever, um, from something you've learned in the last year of recovery, what would that be? Mm, man, and I mean, it's, that's a hard, the only reason I say this is a hard question because I have learned a lot okay. just in the past year because of, of everything that's transpired in the last year. It seems like every year of recovery, mm -hmm. you've got just so many things that you could talk about, but, um, I think the one thing um, that I have really learned is that, you know, it was kind of like what I was saying in the relationship part of it is like, um, if you, if you've got something you're feeling or you're feeling, you know, that you need to talk about um, or you want to tell somebody something, you know, um, do it because you don't know when the next time you'll, you know, you may not see that person again. And that, and that's probably the biggest thing I've learned is that if something some, not, I don't really feel that anything's left needs to go unspoken. You know, okay. there's always a way to um, communicate with people. I think communication has been one of the biggest issues for me, um, probably since I came in. Uh, so this past year, I've really tried to work on my, you know, communication with people. And there's always a way. I've learned that also that like <clears throat> everybody doesn't see it through my eyes. You know. Um, my opinions and my advice and my way that I do things, nobody else is going to see it that way because it's, this is my set of eyes, metaphorical, you know? Um, and, and basically I see the world through a certain way and you see the world through a certain way. Uh, and I have to understand that. And I have to know that um, through communication, we can get to a, a point to a, like, a, I guess um, the word I'm looking for here, I guess, a, a, a understanding you know uh the way we can all move forward you know because um going my way and seeing it my way um is definitely not the way that that anybody else that i that i run with these days is going to see it and mm -hmm. um to be more 
compassionate when I talk to people to be more uh, understanding and try to more or less put myself in that person's shoes. I really tried to work on that this past year of, of um, trying to see it through other people's eyes, so to speak. So that could be my best, I guess, as far as advice, you know, is try to, you know, really think about <clears throat> where this person's coming from. Mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're talking with somebody or uh, even when you see crazy stuff on the news, you know, um, and I'll be honest with you, I hate to do this, but, but Jake actually is the one who did kind of put this upon me, um, you know, because I was always calling people up and just complaining and bitching about why this was going on or why are they doing this? And, you know, and, and I remember him saying to me, you know, he's like, well, man, you just got to start to try and see their opinion or their views on things, you know, right. a little bit better. And that's really helped me out because I have, you know, because now I even stop, even when I'm doing like a 10 step, mm -hmm. it's helped me in that process as well. Like, um, you know, people always are going to have, not, and that doesn't mean they're right. You know, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean they're wrong. You know, um, mm -hmm. everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got a view. And, and I think that if we all started trying to see it through somebody else's, you know, point of view or eyes, so to speak, right. we would all be in a lot better place, you know? Amen to that. Everyone just wants to be seen and heard and, and valued, right? And um, we can get a lot further in this world if we hold the space for other people to share their experience. Um, and you mentioned a great word of communication, right? I think that that's valuable for anyone, no matter if you're sober, if you're not, how long you've been sober, whatever. Um, communication is key. Um, and and when I say communication, I'm not like just, oh, just communicating. I think respectful communication. Um, I have had some experiences in this year where people have talked to me in a less than respectful way. Um, and it definitely hit me to my core. And instead of, you know, be, well, I was mad for a while, but um, after being mad and being done with that, um, I recognized like, how can I do better, right? When, um, how can I not act like this person? The same way as like, we all have experiences growing up where someone does something, we're like, I just wanna do it the opposite way. Um, so fellowship, get a network, communicate, kumbaya, I love it, I love it. So. Thank you so much for coming on here and doing this with me. We're going to have to catch up soon once, you know, the world is not imploding in our states. Um, yeah. wear, wear a damn mask so we can have college football. Right. Um, <laughs> but, and in the NFL, really, you know, I don't know if you're going to play on our NFL fantasy team this year, but. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Oh, yeah, I need redemption from last year. Uh-huh. Chris sucks. Um, Just so you know, Jake finished below me. Just so that's out there live. <laughs> He also didn't draft because he was at a concert. So I think we all knew. That's a good panic concert, by the way. But I understand. I love you. Love you forever and always, Jake. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we will get some football. And it's uh, it's great to see you, even if it's not in person. Thank you so much to everyone who has been here um, watching and commenting. And if you're listening after the fact or watching this later, um, I really, really appreciate it. Follow the Control Issues Instagram page at Control Issues Podcast if you'd like to stay updated. And before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug, Chris? Everyone comes on here and plugs stuff. You want to plug a convention? You want to plug a meeting? What do you want to plug? Man, um, no, I just say, you know, if you guys are uh, struggling out there, hit us up on the HA World uh, website, you know, HA, heroinanonymous.org. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we've got all the information out there you need for meeting uh, anywhere in the world if you need one. Um, you know, we've got Facebook pages too, but uh, just, you know, if you're looking for, if you're looking for some recovery or looking what, you know, Zora I have or anybody else you see on here, like, you know, message me on Facebook. I don't care. You know, we'll get you some help for real, man. Um, I got a shout out to my sponsor though. He just logged on. I saw him like, there's Paul. Yeah, he, he, he needed some credit, but I uh, also want to say what's up Spencer and uh, Tom. I saw you guys on here earlier, man. I love y'all both, man. I hope to see y'all soon, man. Yeah, hopefully you'll be able to come over soon. And um, to reiterate what Chris said, if you are struggling or if you'd like to get connected um, to any resources of whatever fellowship will help get you connected, shoot me a DM on Facebook on Control Issues' this Facebook page. Send me a DM on Instagram at Control Issues Podcast. Shoot me an email at controlissues19 at gmail.com. Literally, there's not a way you can't get connected. Um, and if you're in the Birmingham area and don't know Chris and would like to get connected to him as well, you can send me a message or him too. So thank you so much for being here. I am ever grateful. And it's like my heart is so happy that I got to see you today. So yeah, Zora, I love you, girl. Amen. Well, with that being said, grace and peace, my friends.